Thanksgiving. How many love Thanksgiving? Amen. Amen. I, I didn't think I was going to get a turkey dinner because I was going out of town, but we were blessed to go to my daughter-in-law's parents' house for Thanksgiving. I was because I was alone, and I ate, like, way too much turkey. It was bad, right? What's that saying? Turkey, 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 gobble, gobble, eat too much, wobble, wobble. Yeah, that, that was me. The bubble in the middle got off balance a bit. I don't know what happened there, but, but boy, was it good. So if you haven't had your Thanksgiving dinner, make sure you come back today uh, at 3 o'clock unless you uh, are doing it at home, which is awesome, amazing. So in Canada, Thanksgiving in 1879, uh, not long after Confederation, Canada, you know, really had celebrated Thanksgiving. And uh, you can go through the history, and actually Thanksgiving in Canada came 47 years before Thanksgiving in the United States. I know. I mean, sorry, John, but it's true. And... Uh, and, uh, but we still love our American neighbors because they celebrate it a little bit later than us. But I love this statement. In 1957, the Can- Canadian Parliament pronounced that the second Monday in October would be Thanksgiving Day. This is what our Parliament said in 1947. A day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. That's good government there. Amen? That's good government. To say, you know what, we just need to acknowledge that God has blessed Canada. Wasn't it great to be out? I was out yesterday riding my bike for the last time this year, probably. And uh, I was riding in there, and two things struck me. There was guys still in the field bringing in the harvest, which was awesome to watch. And the Canada geese were covering the fields of where they had already harvested. And I was highly tempted with my bike to ride in the field, but I thought it would end badly because Canada geese can be vicious if you uh, get them upset with you. So Thanksgiving. Here's the first thing. Celebrate those who've created thanks by giving to you. Celebrate those who've created thanks by giving to you. You know, celebrate means to honor or to revere. It's one of our core values. We say celebrate Jesus Christ in every area of your life. And so celebrate those who've created thanks in you. Who should you celebrate on Thanksgiving? And uh, I think number one is God. You should be thankful for God. Amen? What does it say in the Bible? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. All throughout the Bible, we are set to be able to, and called to thank God. We thank him for all that he's done for us, Exodus 13, 3. It should be continually offered to God, Psalm 50, 14. It's commanded in the word. In private worship, Daniel 6, 10. In public worship, Psalm 35, 18 and Psalm 100. Upon completion of a great task, Nehemiah 12. Man, are we going to thank God when we're done that building? Amen? It's so amazing. Uh, in remembrance of goods, God's goodness, holiness, and mercy, Psalm 30, 97, 106, 109, for the gift of Jesus Christ, be thankful. For all things in Christ, be thankful. In all things, be thankful. Always be thankful according to the word of God. Thankfulness seems to be an important topic to God. And I think there's reasons for that. But be thankful to God. You know, be thankful for your family, church. Be thankful for your spouse. You know, your spouse would actually appear better in your eyes if you just were more thankful for them. Just a little hint, little marriage counseling there. There you go, if that was free. Uh, be thankful for your job. 
Be thankful for your job. Be thankful for your boss. You know, just sow the seed of the kingdom, you know. Uh, can I just give you an encouragement? Be thankful that you get to vote. I'm leaving for Mozambique in less than an hour here. And uh, I got my vote in. It was awesome. What a privilege to live in a nation that I get to vote. So make sure you vote, please. You know, we're to be thankful people. We're to celebrate those who have given so much to us. But why be thankful? Why is Thanksgiving such an important thing? Here's the first thing the Bible teaches us. It stops us from murmuring and complaining. It's tough to be thankful and then complain in the next breath. When you're thankful, it changes things in your life. You know, the Old Testament uh, brothers and sisters, uh, they got in trouble because they murmured and complained. They kind of were like, you know, mumbling. That's what murmuring is. It's like, mm, stupid Moses. Well, Moses let us in. Moses let us in the wilderness. And why couldn't so much better in Egypt? We had a, at least we had leeks and onions in Egypt. That's a, stupid manna. I don't want like, no stupid... <laughs> you have to know the Bible. It's highly accurate in the Hebrew, what I just did there. <laughs> Why be thankful? It stops us from murmuring and complaining. You know, it's interesting. God actually said to these guys, you guys, because you're murmuring, I'm going to deal with you. And people actually died because of it. Now you're like, that's kind of heavy. And this is like Thanksgiving and you're scaring me right now. But understand the principle that God is saying. When you murmur, you're inviting death into that area of your life. That's what it's doing. Rather than being thankful in an area, when you start to murmur and complain in an area, what you're doing is, like we talked about last week, you're not inviting or cultivating the kingdom of God. You're cultivating the kingdom of the world. And, and there's a byproduct of that is that Jesus promised life and life abundant, but when we murmur, we take away from that abundant life that God has for us. So be careful what you're murmuring about, amen? Don't complain and murmur. Just speak life over these things. Sow seeds of thanksgiving over your relationships, your children, your parents, over your boss or your situations at work, over your spiritual experience and, and your church life, over your pastor. Be thankful. It's one of the reasons we don't, or we don't, uh, uh, or that we're thankful is that we don't murmur. Number two is that it takes our mind off ourselves and our situation and places our thoughts on a, above things. You know, all of us go through difficult circumstances. All of us go through trials. But the Bible tells us to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Let me read a quote to you, and I'm going to tell you the story of this guy. His name is uh, um, Tim uh, Hansel. One of the big problems with pain is that it's so myopic. It's me-centered. Nothing robs one's strength and vitality so much as self-absorption. There is no greater waste of time than self-pity. Preoccupation with self, it fragments and dissipates that which you want to be about in your life. So Tim Hansel wrote a book called we, You Gotta Keep Dancing. And uh, so what happened, he was a high school teacher in the 60s actually, and uh, he realized that kids were just not motivated in their life. So he decided to do something to take them on a weekend camping trip. So he did, and he had such success. The kids loved it so much that he actually started uh, his own ministry, left education, but started a ministry called Summit Expeditions. And he would take kids camping as kind of what he did. 
But on one of these expeditions, he was walking across an ice bridge and it collapsed and he fell 60 feet onto the rocks below him. He, uh, he smashed three vertebrae. He shrunk three inches in height and uh, compressed his spine. He broke his back. It was brutal, but he didn't die and he wasn't paralyzed. But what happened was he lived in constant pain for the next 35 years of his life. And he writes this book, You Gotta Keep Dancing. And uh, it's incredible because the book really, really uh, encouraged many people who are going through hard times and difficulties in their life. It inspired millions of people with its strong message of perseverance, faith, and the option to choose joy and thankfulness despite your circumstance. He would say pain was inevitable, but misery is optional. You got to keep dancing. I love that book. It was a great book. And uh, encourage you if you want to be encouraged by a good book. We lost it in the fire when our church burnt down. And, uh, but I have the notes from that book, so it's a good one to keep. Here's the third thing about faith and about thanksgiving. It's an act of faith which pleases God. You know, what if I'm in a bad moon, pastor, and I don't want to be thankful? You know, that's why the Bible says, offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Listen, I understand there are circumstances that come at your life and you don't want to be thankful all the time. But God says, you know what? Just force yourself. You say, well, am I being a hypocrite? No, you're being obedient to the word of God. When you don't feel like worshiping, that's when you should worship the most. When you don't feel like being thankful, take out a pen and click your bick and start writing the things that you should be thankful for. It's really easy, actually. All you have to think about is, like, do you have heat in your house? Do you have food in your fridge? Do you have a car? Do you have some form of transportation? <laughs> do you have a job? Does somebody come and take your garbage away from the front of your house when you magically wheel it out there? When you turn a tap on, do you have fresh and clean and safe water? When you flush a toilet, what is removed from your house? You don't have to leave your bed to be thankful. There is so much for you to be thankful for in your life. Amen? And I think that's what we're supposed to do, why worship is such a powerful thing. And, uh, you know, for, uh, Colossians 3 says, Therefore, if anyone has been raised with Christ to new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is now hidden with Christ in God. Keep your thoughts on above. You know, I've, I've only bought... Uh, a couple new vehicles in my life, but I'll tell you the funny story. I think I've told you this one before. I bought my new van and I went to Swiss Chalet because that's what you do after you buy a new van. You go to celebrate at Swiss Chalet. And I came out from Swiss Chalet and somebody had scratched my van the first week I owned it. I wasn't thankful for chicken that day. I wasn't thankful in that moment. But you understand, God kind of taught me a lesson about temporal values. He said, Greg, don't put your faith in this world and this stuff. It's why I eat at Costco now because their parking lot is so much bigger and better. <laughs> Every week the kids are like, we don't want to go to Costco. We're going to Costco. You're getting a hot dog. 
Give thanks, church. Give thanks for what you have. Give thanks for someone in your life. At the end of the service, Peter's going to take over the service and he's going to just ask you to express something that you're thankful for. So hang on to that thought and you're going to just celebrate with everybody else here. It's very important that you do that. Not only do we celebrate those who've created thanks by giving to us, but also Thanksgiving is about celebrating giving and you will create a multiplication of thanks and giving in others. See, Thanksgiving is not just about what you get. It's about what you give. And ultimately, the greatest maturity, the greatest place of pleasure comes when you live your life giving to things and giving to others. You know, that's what I love about Thanksgiving. The Bible says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, I have a great illustration of this pressed down, shaken together, running over, overflowing in your life. And I love this illustration because all of you can relate to it. It's like going to McDonald's and you pay your three bucks for fries now, which is crazy. Inflation on fries has been insane. But you, you ever go there and you get that guy that, you know, the fry guy is just kind of not really into his job and he just kind of scoops you a scoop of fries and he takes it and he puts it on your tray and it's like half empty. And everything in you is like, this is not God's heart. <laughs> and then you go to McDonald's and there's that guy that's not quite all there, but he's working the fryer that day and you get a fries from him. And you just see him, and, and he's shoveling the fries in, right? Pressed down, he starts hammering the fries down. The managers are coming out, leave back away from the fryer, back away from the... And he's like, ha, 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 And he comes out, and he puts the fries on your tray, and they spill all over the place, and you're weeping with thanksgiving. This is what this is talking about. <sighs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Everyone's going to McDonald's after this. Even though you're going home for turkey first, you're like, I have to go get fries now. This is so good. So learn to be a giver. Learn to be that fry guy that just hammers down the fries and they spill over and they're incredible and you will create greater joy in others and greater thanksgiving. You know, you have much that you can offer, church. A smile, a helping hand, a kind word. Learn to create thanks wherever you go and God will make sure that that blessing will come back to you. It's awesome to do that. You reap what you sow. Mother Teresa once said this, we cannot do great things on this earth, but only small things with great love. That's a good thought. You know, what you celebrate, church, you grow. What you celebrate, church, you gain. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, you will grow Thanksgiving. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, you will gain Thanksgiving. That's how it works. I was with the Christian students uh, on chapel on Wednesday. And so we did a, a little teaching on the, 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 you know, the little kid with the five loaves and the five fishes. And if you don't know the story, uh, Jesus is teaching and there's 5,000 men, probably 15,000 or more people present. And uh, they're, they're all getting hungry because they've been listening to him teach much longer than I teach. But he's way better than me, so it's okay. But they were saying, you know, you need to send these people home so that they can go and get something to eat. And Jesus says to them, you feed them. And, you know, the whole story goes on. They say, Jesus, three months wages would not even give every person a single bite. You're crazy. But Jesus doesn't budge. He's like, you feed him. 
So we can't see this in the story, but I believe they began to ask people, does anybody have any food to share? Now, how many of you know if there were 15,000 people there, how many of you know probably most of them brought food because they're used to having to travel distances? But what did they start to do? They started to hoard their food. I don't have enough to share, so I'm not giving mine. But then what happens? One little boy goes up and he says, I have five little buns and two fish. Jesus, you can have them, right? And he puts them in Jesus' hand. We talked about this last week. And of course, what happens is the multiplication of these loaves and fishes, which is incredible. So much so that 12 basketfuls are left over. So what we did at the Christian school was I gave every single student a $5 bill. But the, here was the thing. They could keep it if they wanted to. It's theirs. Or they could sow it as seed to create Thanksgiving in somebody else. Now, they all was attached to a little card. They all get to fill out and say what they did with their $5. So it'll be interesting. Because how many know $5 can create Thanksgiving in people? And there can be a multiplication that begins to happen. It's amazing. You know, I was going to tell the story, and I'll, I'll share this some other time, but our, our Christian kids from our Christian school gave, I don't know how many thousands of merits. Merits is what they get when they do things at their school, and they, they compile these merits. They kept them all together, and these kids all gave them to our new church building because they get money for it. So they, they raised $67, and you say, that's ridiculous, $67. What's that going to buy? A chair in the new building. But how many of you know that took those kids months to save those merits? Months and months and months. I think it was 67,000 merits or some ridiculous amount of merits that were translated into money. Or 32,000, something like that. But what's the story about? Let me close with this story. There was a little girl in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that was going to Sunday school in Chicago. and uh, Sorry, in Philadelphia. And um, she, she was found outside the church weeping. And the pastor was coming to church that morning and he saw her crying there. And he said, what's wrong, my dear? She said, there's no room for me in, in the Sunday school. So he said, oh, you come with me. He takes her by the hand and he goes in. You see, he realized probably she got rejected because she was very well, not well kept. She was, uh, you know, a very poor little girl and didn't have nice clothes and so he brought her into the science school and he says, you come here every week and I'll make sure you have a place. So for two years, she went to that Sunday school. And then the pastor got word that she had actually passed away. Uh, she lived in a very poor tenement houses, housing and she got sick and she passed away. And the family had contacted the pastor to see if he would do the memorial service. And they were moving her body from the, the bedroom where she passed away and they found this crumpled up uh, little red tattered purse and in the purse they open it up there was a note with a little handwritten note from the little girl saying this is my savings for the new church building so that all the little kids have a place to go to Sunday school and when they found it they open it up it was 67 cents the pastor was holding the little purse in his hand that Sunday and telling the story to his congregation that we need to build a church so that these little, this more little kids can find their way home to God and really have a place to come. 
Well, the story kind of went from there. This is before internet, of course, but the newspaper heard the story and they printed an article about what the little girl had done, saved 67 cents, which is her life savings in giving this uh, to the new church and wanting to build the church. And what was incredible was they got a phone call from a businessman, a wealthy businessman in Philadelphia. He said, I'd like to sell you a parcel of land for the new church. And they said, well, we can't afford land. We're, we're just a small congregation. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. Uh, it's prime real estate in downtown Philadelphia, and I want to sell it to you for 67 cents. So they did. They bought the land for 67 cents. And then the story went around the world, and people began to send checks and money uh, from all over the world, and they raised over a quarter million dollars back in the turn of the century. How many of you know that was a huge amount of money? And you can go there actually today. You can visit this place, and it's interesting. It's called Temple Baptist Church in Philadelphia. It has a seating capacity of 3,300 people. And you can visit Temple University where thousands of students are educated. You can go to Good Samaritan Hospital. And in Good Samaritan Hospital, they have a Sunday school building which houses hundreds of beautiful little children. And it's built so that no child in the area will be left outside of Sunday school. In one of the rooms of that building, you can go and see a picture of the sweet face of the little girl holding her 67 cents and her purse. And you can see the picture of the pastor, Dr. Russell H. Cornwall, who wrote a book called Acres of Diamonds based on this experience with this little girl. What can God do with 57 cents? <laughs> he can build a church. He can change eternities. What's in your hand, church? You know, don't underestimate what thanksgiving that you can create in your life by serving, by loving, by giving. Amen? God is good.